Welcome to Home Gym History, produced by Garage Gym Radio, your one-stop shop for all those podcasts about the home gym life. Thanks for listening today, because this is kind of like the trilogy. If you listen to my C.T. Fletcher episode and you listen to my Josh Bryant episode, you may have picked out something that those two gentlemen have in common, and that would be a connection with tonight's guest. The one, the only, the bodybuilding legend, Craig Monson. I have him on the phone here. Welcome, Mr. Monson. Hello. Hello, everyone. It's nice to have you here on Home Gym History. And if you don't know, listeners, Josh Bryant called Mr. Monson kind of a purple unicorn because you just, you, you may have seen pictures or heard stories about him. He's kind of this legendary figure. And I mean that in the most complimentary, complimentary way, sir. So he, C.T. Fletcher describes how walking down the beach, heading towards Muscle Beach, he just saw this shadow. He saw this massive man, and that was you. So, you know, what can you tell us about the start of your strength history, Mr. Monson? Like growing up, I know you built a lot of the equipment that you used out of wood, maybe, uh, built a bench, early equipment, stuff like that. How, how did you get started well, lifting weights? Started back in 1963 on milk crates and a, a two by fours in the backyard. A guy named Johnny Boyd and Raymond Burns put the weights in my hand when I was 13 years old. We worked out in their backyard. Okay. And from there, I started in my backyard with weights. 1963, John F. Kennedy was assassinated when they announced it over the PA system in my junior high school. I was in my gym class. And I had dumbbells in my home at 13 years old, sitting on a bench doing curls. Wow. Yes, at 13 years old. They let the school out early because the president of the United States had been assassinated, 1963. And I was 13 then. I'll be 73 in December. And I'm still in the gym. I was in the gym yesterday, which was Tuesday. And I did three hours in the gym with a youngster that I'm working with, my workout partner. Okay, so I'm training him. I'm not getting paid for it. I train him because he keeps me going, the youngsters. Yeah. Okay, he, he's Cuban, just like my idol, Sergio Olivia. Oh. When I saw this kid, and I asked him what nationality, he says Cuban and Puerto Rican. I said, man, my, my idol was... Cuban. And I said, you're doing that wrong. What are you working? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have a clue what he was doing. No. And so that first day, I, I, I kind of played around, showed him this, this and that and other. And the next day, he came up to me and asked me, uh, could you show me this and that? And I'm like, yes, let's do some back arms. <laughs> he wanted to work his arms. Yeah, yeah. And I still, I still call them back arms. I don't call them tricep extensions. I said, let's lay on the bench and do some back arms. Mm. Okay. And since December, I mean, since June to now, he told me yesterday, he said, Big Craig, these don't even look like my arms. <laughs> 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 you know, 
What a well, compliment, right? Talking about no. arms, I know one of your early influences was Leroy Culver. And that gentleman, my goodness, I'll make sure I drop a picture of Leroy Culver in here. He had some of the most impressive arms in the history of, you know, bodybuilding and fitness. Uh, what what kind of, you know, was that like the starting point of you with Leroy Culver wanting to? Uh... 1969, I was 19. Okay. And my... My workout partner, Big Donnie Boy, Donnie Charlotte, took mm-hmm. me to my first bodybuilding show. He also took me to Venice Beach at 16, the first time I had ever been to Venice Beach. So we go to the first bodybuilding show, and it was for Mr. California, downtown LA, at the uh, Grant Hotel. Leroy Coleman was competing, mm. okay, and he came out of that show with about seven trophies, best arms, best back, best legs, best abs, all this kind of best stuff, right? Okay. And when he leaned over the pickle, he had too many trophies in front of him. <laughs> but he didn't win the overall show. Oh. But this was my first show. Yeah, yeah. And, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dave Draper were guest posing. Okay. And they got up on the stage and they guest posed together with leopard skins on okay. and wrapped around Roman sandals that wrapped up their calf. Okay. Okay. And, and, and the brown bomber, Dave Draper, had long blonde hair to his shoulders. Wow. Arnold's hair was pretty long, but these boys were the biggest white boys I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? And they, they had that shooting. like Herculean or I guess like ancient Greek kind of dress with the leopard yes. skins, like old time strongman almost kind of deal. Yes. And see, um, right after that, Dave Draper had a, a show on Sundays called The Gladiators. Oh, okay. And he was the, of the show. <laughs> so I had to watch it every Sunday after that. But anyhow, at that particular show, Leroy Kobler got all these trophies, but guess who won the overall? I, I think Kobler. I know the answer to because I, I've been blessed to read Josh Bryant's book, but I'll let you tell mm. it. Yeah, Frank Zane. Oh, yeah, Frank Zane. Zane, I had never seen anybody with that many muscles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Leroy was huge. Yeah. But Frank Zane had all these little intricate muscles. Okay? He was ripped to shreds. Gotcha. And I, like I said, I had never seen that before. Okay? And uh, during my era, it was always bigger the better. Okay. Sure. Uh, but with my first show, I see this guy with all this, all these cuts and very symmetrical, um, very, very appe- appeasing to the eye. Okay. Mm-hmm. You could see, you could see, yo, he got big boy beat because everything is showing. Uh, okay. He got muscles that I had never seen before. Yeah. All right. Um, um, that day was very, after the show out in the lobby uh, on one side of the um, the corridor Frank Zane was selling his memorabilia okay. uh, and he had already put on his sweat attire uh, okay and on the other side Leroy was sitting there with a tank top on with 21 inch guns hanging you know <laughs> so I wanted to go over here and look at this big boy yeah. okay 
a friend Zane, he was he, he he was a small guy with his clothes on. He didn't even look like he buffed. He didn't <laughs> look like he played. Okay? Remember, he was a school teacher. Sure. Yes. So um, um, I'm on the side over here with uh, Leroy Kobler, but my eyes keep going looking over to the guy who won the show. Okay. <laughs> And I think, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know. But Leroy's sitting at his desk with all these trophies on top, okay? And he, and I, I, I think I bought a picture or something, you know, a signed autograph picture. Um, but I left out of that um, that contest bewildered. Yeah. Okay? And But I said to my buddy, Don Charlotte, which was my workout buddy, which we built his garage into our first gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, he and I are still friends. He still go to Venice Beach right now today. Uh, they call him the be- a beach bum because yeah. he's there every Sunday. <laughs> but he's 72 years old. His birthday is uh, January the 1st. Mine is December 4th. He still go out there. Oh, God bless him. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't go to Venice anymore because after the COVID epidemic, yeah, and the homeless people they took over, but they cleaned it up, and it had got kind of riffraff, you oh, know. I see. Um, and I didn't feel comfortable out there anymore, you know. Gotcha. Uh, but, but, but you're still working out, and you're in your seventies, and that's a. I mean. <laughs> When my listeners, if they are just listening, if you're not watching a video, um, you know, if you just look up uh, Craig Monson on Instagram, you'll see some pictures of him. Or if you just Google him, Craig Monson Bodybuilding, you'll see some pictures of him. I'll drop his website in the description here to all my podcasts. You'll see that, you know, you were a big, big man. And now in your 70s, I mean, that's some longevity. You're still moving still lifting so that was one of my things i wanted to ask you you know you overcame many obstacles in your life and we'll get into some of those but since it's on my mind you know is there any advice you give to a lifter and a young lifter like the gentleman you said you're working out with this 20 year old or someone like myself i'm in my 40s for longevity nobody was there at my time in my time to tell me about the um the damage that all the heavy heavy weight can do to the body mm-hmm. okay now when i when i did rap with uh, sergio olivia because I, I i had his private number and i could call him in chicago and pick his brain okay um and he had me doing the heavy curls and and um, the heavy lunges and but nobody told me how the damage that it would cause in the knees and the tailbone you know, uh, my knees are shot from mm. doing all the heavy squats. Okay, so I don't preach heavy, heavy uh, workouts anymore. Okay, I preach moderate weight reps. Okay, um, but I know you got to test yourself. Sure, you still want to get into the gym and want to hit that five hundred pounds on the bench. You know, yeah. um, you, uh, you have to. You you got to get up on the five hundred to test yourself. Um, but like I said, my knees are bad. Now, my buddy Donnie Boy, mm-hmm. he worked out with me, but he never went. He never hit bench press 500. Okay, I did 585 for five. He never hit uh, uh, 450. 
okay? He never did the heavy curls. He never did the heavy squats. So he don't have any knee problems now. He don't have, he because he's still standing on his head right now at 72, <laughs> okay? Amazing. Yeah, yes, he is amazing, okay? Um, he went the other way. You know, as you get older, you're supposed to go back. You don't try, try to carry heavy weight. You get light, light in the load, okay? Sure. So he's taking his belt size in to back that he had when he was in high school, <laughs> all right? Yes, and, but I'm still, I'm 282 pounds, yeah. okay? But I have big bones. My bones sure. are huge. And they always talk about my big hand. I was in Ralph's Market yesterday after the after the workout, and the guy in the line, and I, I had on this long sleeve sweatshirt, and the guy in the line, he says, you must have been a huge guy in your time. Look at your hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something I notice about you, actually, is uh, on the cover of Josh Bryant's book, which I'll drop a link for it, and listeners, it helps out Mr. Monson, it helps out Mr. Bryant, and it helps me out if you use the link in the description to purchase the Craig Monson biography that Josh Bryant wrote. But on the cover here is a famous picture of you at Muscle Beach, I believe it is, and you are doing some skull crushers, some work on the back arms, as you would call them. But you've got, I mean, as <laughs> you've got 345s on each side. So you're, yeah. you're using what some people would use as a bench press to do your tricep work, to do your back arm work. I used to watch the guys, and I, and I was a show-off, you know. Sure. I watched the guy uh, do a bench press with three plates, 315 we called it. Yeah. And they would, they would hit it four or five reps and jump up off the bench and think they done done something, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'd lay down on a bench and i say, Willie, come over here, Willie. Which was my workout partner also at Venice Beach, and he helped prepare me for shows. Uh, he would meet me at whatever gym I chose. Um, Danny Boy, uh, after my prison episode, he would only meet me at Venice Beach. Oh, okay. But when he would hold me down, you okay, I would put it on the ground at the head of my head, reach back and pull it over, and start skull crushing it. And there's a man on the in the picture holding your knees down, sure enough. That's Willie. And um, he would hold me down because the 315 would pull me over. I would just flip over. Okay. So I'd be trying to pull it up and skull crush it 12 times. That was my most. Okay. But there's video going around, and you see me doing it eight times. Mm. When I did it, there was no camera around. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I noticed though, that's a, you know, you're using a, like an easy curl bar. So it's probably about one inch thick. So that's where to bring this full circle, what you were mentioning. I mean, after being awestruck with how much weight you're moving and with the rest of your body, cause your pecs, your arms stand out. I did notice your hands because in comparison to the bar, I'm thinking, wow, like look how big his hands are. Like he's a, he's a big dude. Like you can tell even when you're laying down because of your hands. So, I mean, that definitely uh, it stands out. I got my my bench press strength. I was benching with Arnold Schwarzenegger out at Venice Beach on a Sunday morning, and he would. I had I made I made it a purpose to get out there early because Arnold would get out there eight nine in the morning. Okay, so I I'd get out there really early. Just my team don't get there to ten ten thirty eleven. 
but I wanted to catch Arnold because I wanted to work out with him. I wanted Big Arnold to see what I could do, okay? And so I would be out there very early waiting on Arnold. He showed up a couple of times, and so I had the chance to train with him, and uh, we were bench pressing, and I was using the normal grip. And Arnold slapped my hands out wide <laughs> after we did a couple of sets, and he says, be tricky. You know, because he's uh, Australian. But quick, you're too white. You're uh, hindering your ball. You will do a stronger bench if you go out here, out here. And he slapped my hands out very wide. And so I had to start back light, okay? Because okay. I, I couldn't go heavy out wide. But I started out light, and I ended up going putting one collar all the way, collar to collar. I couldn't put, you can't put your hands no wider because I'm on the pace. And I was able to do 585 pounds like that, five reps, as wide as the bar was. You hear me? Yeah. Yeah. And that was because of Arnold Schwarzenegger giving me that advice. He made my bench press. I was doing 450 with him that day. My bench press shot up. It went sky high, okay? I was shocked yeah. that he was absolutely right. So I give Arnold a lot of a lot of praises, okay? Yeah. Yes. Um, and he was, uh, he knew what he was talking about. He was a master of this, okay? Um, yeah, he was big. I knew I was big, but Arnold, he had a lot of wisdom, okay? Mm-hmm. A lot of wisdom. Yes, you get. Now, when you talk about me being on the stage and how big I was, mm-hmm. one of my shows, I think that was the Mr. World, yes, in Geneva, Switzerland, when I weighed in, I weighed in at 272 pounds, okay? The closest thing to me was 225. <laughs> that's a... That's yes. a big difference. <laughs> That's a big, because at my time, you got to remember, in the 80s, people were not competing at that heavy weight like they're doing now. Okay? Yeah. I was, I was, I was just going to mention that to listeners, that this is well before, like, the nickname, the Mass Monsters of the 90s. You know, this is, this is, well, this is well before those uh, humongous guys came along that you're in the mix. So what kind of reaction are people having to someone who's, I'm doing quick math here, but about 20% bigger than the other competitors? I think it was fifth. I was like, what? In, in the tall class, in the, in the audience, it was 2,800 people in the audience. Hmm. In Geneva, Switzerland, they didn't know me from the man in the moon, but they started <laughs> chanting my name. Yutsun, Yutsun, Yutsun. They got That's up great. and rushed the stage, okay? Yeah. They, they take their, their sports very serious in Europe. They sure. rushed the stage. They were at the foot of the stage looking right up at me. I stepped off the podium and I walked over to the edge of the stage looked down at him and growled and did a most muscular and and then stepped back and started posing again. They made the judges come and give me the first place trophy. (laughs) 
the fifth place trophy, judge's choice. I came home with both trophies and a box of Swiss candy because <laughs> it was coming from Geneva, Switzerland. <laughs> hey, I, I, you won over some fans there. That's for sure. I mean, I can imagine it was an awe-striking sight to see such a difference. Now, when it comes to both things you just spoke about, Venice Beach, so Muscle Beach, as people call it, versus the the bodybuilding competition, I find you know Venice Beach to be fascinating because uh, looking into your past and doing some research on you, you spoke about kind of the performance aspect of Muscle Beach that, you know, for example, you might, you know, wait a little bit for a particular lift until a certain number of rows of people were there, spectators were there to, to see that big lift. Can you talk a little bit about the differences there between that kind of thing versus the uh, bodybuilding stage competitions? Well, it's a sunny, hot day on a Sunday morning. The sun is blazing. Okay, like I said, my team would get there about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. So we're getting our warm-ups. We get going. We got about six people in the car, as we used to call it. That's the team, the workout team. Danny Trejo, the movie star, was one of the people in the team, in the car. And he's Latino, the Mexican guy. Mm -hmm. And I let him in the car. I love him, the Machete movies. Okay? And uh, uh, he and I talk about it right now today. Okay? Because I would always spot him. I always had his back, making sure nothing happened to that little guy because he was the only Latins in there working out with all these big black dudes. Okay? (laughs) Anyhow, um... 10.30 in the morning, the tourists started really forming at the pit, walking up and down the boardwalk. As we start warming up, we when it's time for me to put on five plates, I make sure the rows of people that are watching, okay, it might start at eight rows. Before you know it, I got 12 rows of people all the way back to the building on the other side of the walk, okay, <laughs> watching me hit that 500 pounds 10 times, 11 times, and counting out loud. And I hold a conversation with you while I'm pitting it, okay? <laughs> yes. I, I had I was a show-off, right? Yeah, uh, sure. Big, big West Crockett, Big West Crockett was the strongest man in Venice. Mm. He came out, at this particular time, I weighed 310 pounds. Wow. He weighed 300, about six inches. Ah, so there's a big difference. Yes, wait, wait, wait. He would lay down and hit 630 pounds, two reps, okay? I'd lay down and hit 585, five, and then he'd say, well, you can't hit six. I'd just take off my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's all you needed to do. <laughs> I'd take off my shirt and say, take that. Yeah. <laughs> and he would give me the eye. He'd give me the evil eye. Um, God, God bless him. I, I now, may he rest in peace. When it comes to Venice Beach, um, did you work out at Venice Beach both before the bodybuilding show competitions and after? Because you're mentioning 310 pounds and then you cut down to 270 and change, 273. And and when I prepared for the Mr. World, I was out there up until the last last Sunday before I got on the plane. Oh, wow. A lot of my shows... Okay, and like I said, the guy who's holding me down on the when I'm doing triceps, the guy who's on the cover of the book, that's Big Will, Willie. Um, 
I would let everybody know, well, I'm doing a show in Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. And sometime the caravan, the, the whole squad, they would caravan down. They came to, uh, I did a USA in, Mr. in, in uh, Las Vegas. Okay, they caravan to Vegas okay. uh, to watch me perform. They caravan to Palm Springs to watch me perform. When I did the USA in Vegas, I competed against Matt Mendenhall. Uh-huh. Okay, and that was tough. All right. And uh, prejudging, after prejudging, I sat in the audience with Joe Weeder. Mm. Okay. I, I was the man to beat. I was dressed in all <laughs> white. I had on white shoes up to my chest. <laughs> I was firing you. Okay. Yeah. And I, I sat next to Big Joe and he gave me a lifetime membership at Gold's Gym. And there I was go. the man to beat that day. Okay. When I when I pumped up backstage, I pumped up with Matt Mendenhall. We did our push-ups. I, we got ready together backstage to walk out on the stage, right? And I was like, hey, Matt, what's wrong? You're flat. Because his muscles wasn't responding. Okay. He didn't have any veins coming to life, you know? Yeah, I yeah. Said, What's wrong with you? He said, Dick Craig, I partied last night. Said, what do you mean? Excuse my language. What do you mean you partied last night? The night before it's so? Okay. He says, I did a little so-and-so, so-and-so. I'm uh, not going to say that. And I'm like, so his body went flat. But he still won that show. Okay. And backstage, uh, uh, we're in the, do you remember the movie Pumping Iron? And uh-huh. how Arnold Arnold hooked you backstage, <laughs> okay? Sure. He, he mind hooked me backstage. So, backstage in Mr. USA in Las Vegas, me and Matt Mendenhall is in the mirror or in the mirror together, and we're posing. And he said, "Holy shit!" He said, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I was huge, okay? Yeah. And, he was my friend. God bless him. May he rest in peace. Yeah. And I'm going to say this before we go on. A lot of the guys that I competed against, mm-hmm. they're gone. Uh, yeah, that's sad okay. to hear. Eduardo uh, Kowak, I competed against him in Europe. Okay. He's gone. Okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I competed against Big Roy Liedemeyer. He's still here. Okay? okay? Uh, we text each other uh, periodically. Oh, that's good. Big Roy, yeah. he looks good. Okay? For his age. I got him by a couple of years. Um, that Austrian guy you talked about, Arnold, he's still around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Arnold had his problems. I did have my gallbladder removed. Okay. Um, when I was 65, and it threw me for a loop. Oh. I was in the hospital nine days on oxygen. Okay. Okay, I hallucinated for about three days. Didn't know where I was. Uh, my asthma came back on me, and they almost lost me. Oh, wow. Because my, my breathing, I was on the big yeah, oxygen. It was a close call. Yes, they were able to do the surgery, and I came home on the 12th day. But in 12 days, I lost 47 pounds. Goodness gracious, 47 pounds in 12 days. 47 pounds in 12 days. On the way home, I was in a Huber car, and my buddy, my road dog, he had to go into a CVS drugstore and bought me a walker for me to get into the house. When I got into the house... I parked that walker behind the office door, and it's been sitting there ever since. 
cost $125 to walk into my house and I ain't using it. <laughs> and now it's just a souvenir, just sitting over there. Yeah, a I'm like, I'm not going, I'm not ready for no walker. Yeah. No. <laughs> and no. you said you were 65 and you're 72 now, I think you said. Yes. Yeah. So that, that wasn't too long ago. So you've made quite a comeback here from that. Now hitting the gym a couple hours, you know, with this younger guy, yeah. training partner yeah, and I training him. I go in Monday, Tuesday, I take Wednesday off, I go Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, okay? And I work out. Yesterday, I did 30 minutes on the bike first. I do my bike work first. And then I do another 30 minutes on my stomach, stomach work, yeah. okay? I, I have him doing um, 500 crunches on the floor, and I did 175 yesterday uh, crunches. Uh, uh, and then we go to, um, if it's not a chest day, I have him doing push-ups. Uh, after the crunches, he do push-ups, okay? And a push-up uh, along with the chin-ups behind mm. the neck, okay? And okay. then we go over to the um, the uh, stomach machine. We do crunches on the stomach machine and the side twists with the stomach machine. Mm. We do all of that. This is about uh, um, an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes before we, we even touch any weights. Oh, man. Okay? <laughs> yes. Uh, and, you know, the, the trainers in the gym, they're training their clients for one hour. Sure. I'm in the gym an hour and something, and I ain't even touched the weights yet. Yeah, I haven't gotten started yet. So, listeners, <laughs> if you're feeling like you're not motivated to train, you're drinking your coffee in the morning and thinking, ah, oh, I might just skip it today. I'm not going to go down to the gym. Just re-listen to this episode. Listen to all the things that, you know, Big Craig is out there doing. So, And you're in California, correct, sir? I'm in California, yes, sir. So when it comes to um, your training and your style of lifting, something that I found fascinating reading about you and researching you was just the um, difference between, and Josh Bryant pointed this out, the difference between the culture at Venice Beach and then the other culture of Los Angeles, meaning the street gangs and some of the things you were involved in. You were one of the founders of the Avenue, I believe it was. I, I was the, that, that one of, I was the You were the founder. There I you go. The so apologies. Yes. So yeah, you were, you were the founder of the Avenues and with both those sides of things, this very, you know, tourists around, right out there in the open uh, muscle beach versus lifting and bodybuilding and, you know, working out in the other side of things in terms of being involved in the gang. Uh, you know, were there similarities to either in the way that you trained or the culture of things and what people respected, what people, you know, saw in each other? It was a black and Hispanic back then. Okay. Okay. South Central L.A., we had the uh, police department very down on the black people. Um, there were a lot of street gangs. The avenues, was, we were a bunch of neighborhood guys. If you worked out, you kept the cheat off you. If you Back then, if you were a pretty good-sized guy, you weren't likely for nobody to get in your face and challenge you, okay? No. So... I had everybody in my neighborhood, if they wanted to come in my backyard and work out with me or go over to Donnie Boys, you were welcome, all mm. right? And 
And we used to um, get in our little low-rider cars. Um, I, at one time, I had a 53 Chevy. Oh. Then I had a 56 Chevy, okay? And we had, and Danny Boy had a, 30, a 37 Chevy. That was the old gangster car, okay? So we would uh, go to parties, neighborhood parties. We were a bunch of neighborhood boys. Mm. If you had a gun, you couldn't go with us to a party. Okay, and I would not get in a car. You got you got a gun, and no, and you stand for a search, and I would pat the guys down, pat them down before they got in the car. Because yeah. I'm not getting in the car with you. You got a gun, okay? If you got a gun, you're gonna hurt somebody. You're going to kill somebody. If you if you just if we just got a, a street fight, you're gonna beat them up. We're gonna win the fight, but ain't nobody gonna die, okay? Gotcha. And so. And I used to tell them, I got twenty, I got twenty-one inch guns hanging on my side, on my shoulder. Yeah. I don't need a gun. And yes, I went to prison, but I killed a burglar in my mother's house. Yeah. I, I got an involuntary manslaughter for killing the burglar. He broke into the house with a hammer. He hit me upside the head, but I took it from him. May you rest in peace. I killed him. Yeah. They gave me an involuntary manslaughter. Okay, I had never ever worked out with cables till 1975 when I came home from prison. I joined my first gym that was Bill Pearl's gym, and they had cables, they had all this new this equipment, old school equipment. Yeah, and I worked out with that. And the, I was, I got 21, 22 inch arms from backyard lifting. Yeah, okay. Um, in backyard, so you hadn't even been to a gym until after you came out of prison. It was, I, I came home, I never it was just a pig iron in the backyard, like, right. like CT would talk about. Uh, I remember I would do my shoulders. I had a pigeon coop. I raised pigeons in okay. the backyard. Okay. And I would I put blankets over the top of the pigeon cage over on one corner. And I would lean up against, put my upper shoulders up against the pivot cage, lean back with the bar on my chest and do standing military press. On the pigeon coop. I love that. Leaning back off the pigeon coop. Yeah. And that got my upper shoulders and caps. So basically, they used to tell me, Craig, look like you got three heads. It was it, from doing those leaning back military press. I, I, my papap, my grandfather, that's what I called him, my papap. My papap raised pigeons uh, yes, here yeah, in Pittsburgh. Was it was like his uh, hobby. And they would roll down. They had, they had tumblers. So, yeah. <laughs> they would roll down. Someone would roll down to the ground. They would kill themselves. They, you had to clap your hands and make them quit to come out of the spin. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, in that backyard training, I had a brother, they nicknamed him Psycho Rut. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. He stood six five. Um, I used to carry him around to, um, to the garage when I went over to the garage to work out. When I worked out in uh, Johnny Boy's front yard, he would go with me. I'd hold his hand. I got my baby brother with me. Uh, hey, you sit over there and I'd give him the smallest dumbbell they had. You play with that. Yeah. Well, after we built that preacher curl bench, you see it in some of the pictures and videos. It's still in my mom's backyard. Um, whenever I would go visit my mom, he would be sitting at that preacher curl bench doing preacher curls. Mm. 
His arms got up to 22 inches. He's 6'5", 22-inch arms, no legs at all, but a huge chest. All he did was chest, arms, and back in that backyard. Hmm. He looked like a professional bodybuilder with no legs, wow. and he had never been to a gym. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Just from working out in the backyard. Oh, yeah. Sure. So it, it, it got the job done. Yeah. Yes. If you got the motivation, okay, you can do it. Sure. Um, and that's, I mean, this is a very home gym focused kind of a podcast. And that's, I mean, things are much more uh, advanced in some of these people's home gyms and things. I'm blessed to have some great equipment in my home gym. But when it comes down to it, yeah, it doesn't have to be fancy. Like uh, no, when you were in prison, no. there was, this is before the government took weights out of prison so there was a weight room but if i remember correctly there was only like limited time you could go there so there was a lot of body weight type of workouts um okay you had there was there were you had one hour for lunch Mm. okay i was i was in san quentin at one time i started off in a place called tracy uh uh, tracy a dual vocational because i when i went into i turned 21 in the county jail fighting the case okay and so when i hit the yard i had just turned 21 i was in tracy only three months before they sent me to san quentin all right um um, i got a i got a bus ride because i helped a little latino brother out of um, some mess in tracy so they gave me and my whole workout team a bus ride to San Quentin. Hmm. We, were, we were the biggest boys in Tracy. But mind you, I walked into the prison, the biggest man in the prison. Yeah. <laughs> so I walked in. I knew I wasn't going to stay there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they sent me to, the, to San Quentin where all the old people were. And it was much cooler because Tracy was like a, a gladiator school. Oh, wow. But when I got to them, they had all these old time guys and these real, 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 real killers. Mm. Okay. And this is when I realized, damn, some of these people belong here. <laughs> okay. I can I only like, imagine. Yeah. 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 They belong here. They, you meet some real wackos. Okay. Um, okay. You only had one hour for lunch. So that means you're in the, from work, you're in the chow hall, you got to rush to the chow hall, get your food, you got to wolf the food down and run to the weight pile to get your workout in. By the time you get down there, 30 minutes have passed already. Sure. Okay? So you only got three people in the car. Maybe four or five want to get in. No, we ain't got enough time, only three. So if you've been pressing, you back to back, to back to back to back. You could get some flat backs in and uh, uh, inclines in, maybe some dumbbell flies in that 30 minutes, maybe. Mm. And on all day, um, um, now you remember they always say you can't work the same muscles every day. Well, if you ain't got but 30 minutes, and you, you you start doing curls today, you didn't do no good back arms. So tomorrow when you come, you're going to hit them back arms again. Yeah. And you're going to hit the curl, okay? You might even hit chest twice today and tomorrow and hit arms today tomorrow. Yes, you might hit them all week long, every day. Gotcha. So it's not like hitting the arm for two hours mm-hmm. and then, no, you don't want to revisit them for three days, okay? But uh, uh, when you don't only have 30 minutes, Yes, you could hit them every day, okay? Because you're not really uh, uh, overtraining them, all right? And that's with any muscle 
as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and yes, in Sanguine, there was nothing but free weights. Yeah, Arnold could Arnold put that petition when he was the governor to take the weights out of the prisons here in California. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of America, but I know in California they took them out. He said something about uh, they're, they're arrested as criminals, crackheads, and, uh, dopeheads, or what. They go in and they they treat it like a, um, a a result, and they come home all buffed up. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. But now listen, when I was in San Quentin, I went to board, and the board gave me a ninety day date to come home. That's three months. Okay. Gave me a month. They gave me a 90-day date. So they said, well, Craig, you've been behind the wall for four and a half years. We're going to send you to a camp center where you sleep in a dormitory, and you could be outside all day. Hmm. Okay, San Quentin would be down at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Uh, sending me out to go to this camp center, uh, they, they went to handcuff me to put me on the bus. And my wrist was too big, huh. so those those things that they put around the leg, those leg irons, sure. you see in old movies, they put those things around my arms, my hands. Oh my goodness! And they put me in the cage, and they said, "Big boy, we don't want no trouble out of you." And I said, "Man, I'm going to the camp center. I'm going home in ninety days. I'm not going to do anything wrong, right? Yeah. I got a date. I'm going home." Yeah, you're counting so down. to the camp. Yeah, I go to this camp center. It's called Jamestown. Okay. Okay. I go to this camp center. When I get off the bus, it's like a a college a college a dormitory. It's wide open. It's wow. like three football fields. Everything is built around the football field. Huh. Okay. All this grass. I'm like, oh, I love it. And the, there's a white cow right in front of one dormitory. Hmm. All the boats are right there on the yard. And the guys are <clears throat> training. <clears throat> so I'm looking for my dormitory, and it's right up. It's on the second level. Everything is open. You walk into the building, and when you walk outside, you're outside. You know, you're doing yeah, everything. Yeah. I go in, I make up my bunk, and I come back outside. I want to go train, okay? And I, I, and I also want to establish myself. There was officers in front of this wing where I just made up my bed in front of the dormitory that I was going to be staying in. It was called J-Wing. And when I came down to the weight pile, the brothers were bench pressing. Mm-hmm. And they had, it was pig iron. When you, when you bench pressing, you know, the iron is rocking, rattling, rattling. Yeah, yeah. Um, I asked the brother, I said, can I go next? They say, yeah, but yeah, yeah. And I got my shirt buttoned up all the way to the top up under my chin. I, I, I stand behind the weights. As For instance, you're going to spot somebody. Okay. You're standing behind the bench. And I lean over to tighten the weights up. Okay? And I tighten the weights up. I slam them. Slam. Okay? Then I put my hands in the middle. And I, like I'm going to adjust the bar. Mm-hmm. And it was five quarters on each side. And I started curling it. <laughs> I started curling this stuff. And they said, man, where you come from? Yeah. I just got off the bus. They hadn't okay. seen anything like you. <laughs> no, but wait, wait. The officers, the correctional officers are standing up on the second 
level and say, hey, big man, come back. I look up, I say, yes, sir. What's your name? I said, Munson, Craig Munson. When you get here, I said, just now. I just got off the bus. Where you stay? I said, right behind you. A J bunk so-and-so, so-and-so. They said, okay. They came and kicked the foot of my bed that night at 3 o'clock in the morning. They said, man, you can't stay here. They put me in the hole and sent me back to San Quentin. Oh. And when I get back, the, the, the memo said I was too big. They didn't want me there. Oh, goodness. So, they had a private joke. The guards had a private running joke at San Quentin. He was too big for the prison. Oh, <laughs> they, they, even they just felt threatened, room. like uh, they couldn't contain you? That's right, because oh, okay. they just came from it. They just on each corner of the prison mm. for escape. Okay? But they sent me back to Quentin, and uh, I was coming through the child hall line one day, and the officer said, give him, give him another scoop. That man was too big for uh, uh, Jamestown. He's San Quentin grown. <laughs> True story, yes. So you got a little more chow out of it, at least. But yeah, uh, yeah that's still, I can't imagine how heartbreaking that was, though, going having to go back going over there and they put me in the hole i had to yeah. stay in the hole for seven days waiting for the bus to come back oh, okay and then i went back when i go back to san Quentin, they put me in the hole there and i had to wait there to go to the committee and when i go to the committee they said man you just left here what did you do yeah you didn't get no trouble what you do down there i didn't do nothing they just didn't want me there okay yeah. so but no i was still able to come home on my date yes but I'm saying that to say how big I had got. Yeah. I had got 22 inch arms. I was strong as a bull, big as a house. And I was just eating second quality food. You know, state rate, they don't feed you. Yeah, you weren't. Food. Yeah. No. There was no uh, 12, 12 raw eggs. Uh, yeah. uh, Tuna, know, fruit, you know. No, I uh, yeah. ate whatever the state gave me. And then with my. Uh, your cigarettes were your, was your money back then. So I could give uh, two packs of cigarettes for a steak sandwich, uh, okay. you know, stuff like that. Uh, bring me half of a cantaloupe, a pack of cigarettes for a cantaloupe, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, I always gotcha. had extra food because I was always uh, uh, buying stuff to eat. Yeah. But uh, people said when I came home, oh, he was on steroids. In San Quentin? Yeah. <laughs> Come well, that's, on. you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing, uh, as far as your experiences and seeing the, the kind of connections between like the discipline you had to have that you only had that amount of time to get down there, get your lifts in or with the food, for example, like you said, like you had to prioritize just to kind of get what you needed, get what you could. So you come out of prison and you said you started going to a gym regularly. Did by the time you were competing in bodybuilding, uh, you know, there was a little bit of distance there, especially until you got into like 1980s. Um, but did people know your background? Did other competitors know your background in terms of? Well, yes, um, I was I was called the flamboyant bodybuilder. Um, I couldn't take bodybuilding far because of my excuse me. I couldn't take bodybuilding far because of my shady background. Okay? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you feel like it it held you back? Oh, or... really? Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
Walter Jacobs, he's a sports doctor. Okay. And I, I, be, I met him at Venice Beach, okay? And um, he was a judge at the Mr. America 1985, mm-hmm. 1984, 1984, in Pasadena, California. And um, he was on, he was a judge, and he was also my sports doctor. And he came, I, I was in the quad getting sun at this contest, and he's after prejudging, and he came out. And he said, "Big Craig, you're not going to win this." I said, "What do you mean? Who's going to beat me?" What yeah. he, did? he says, uh, "The judge is not going to give it to you." I'm like, no. "What?" He, I know, I know, you're the biggest cutter. You, you're, you're fantastic, but they're not going to give it to you. But I want you to go out there and just give them a good show. That's a and shame. so I did. They gave me second place. Yeah. But that day after the show, and I was sitting in the lobby. Uh, with the second place trophy, yeah. the guy who won, he was across the lobby. Everybody, all the spectators were on my side talking to me. Nobody was over. He was sitting by himself, him and his girlfriend, yeah. and the first place trophy. And an old man came up to me, stood in front of me, and put both hands on my shoulder while I was sitting there with the, uh, uh, the second place trophy. I'm sitting on a bench in the lobby. And he put both heads on my shoulder, and he says, Tonight was a farce. This was a farce. You could have won Mr. Olympia. This gave bodybuilding a bad name. He says, You are Mr. Olympia in my book. And he walked away. And I said, Who is that old man? And somebody said, Because you don't know who that was. I said, No. He said, That's John Grimble. Oh, I've been smiling for the last 30, 40 seconds because I knew where this story was going. I know you can't yeah. see me, but I've been smiling because I love John Grimmick. I love the story of him. I had the opportunity I recently. I was in York, PA. I went out to see the museum. And a real nice gentleman there took uh, my friend and I on a tour, showed us around, and then took us upstairs and kind of took us behind the scenes at the museum at York Barbell. And he opened this door and he said, well, this is everything from the John Grimmick estate that they donated. We haven't cataloged it yet. And I thought, goodness gracious. I, I mean, we couldn't believe it. We, we only spent maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes in that room. But just everything I picked up was fascinating. I mean, it was so interesting just to kind of see his library of books and magazines that he had and some different articles he wrote, different things that his family donated to the museum that they haven't cataloged or put up yet. So yeah, I'm I'm a big John Grimmick fan and I love that story. So Grimmick knew, I mean, he's no stranger to competing. He's, he was in the business as practically his whole life, but he could see the, the truth behind things. But see, for him saying that to me, I'm not knowing who he is. It's just a little old man coming up telling me it made me feel good. But now the guy who won this show, Mm -hmm. now remember I told you I used it on those tactics about hooping the guy backstage and prejudging, right? Sure. This kid, now I was 34 years old Mm -hmm. at this show. He's 21. I've had my muscles way longer than him. Okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but backstage we're pumping up, and I'm looking around in the mirror, looking around this, uh, the couple uh, room, who's my competition, and I see him in the mirror. So I go stand beside him, and he's doing a double bicep. And I do a double bicep. Mm-hmm. He threw his arm down, and he do a side chest. I threw a side chest, and he was like, "Good Lord, look at you." <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm backstage, and so when it's time for the for the uh, pose down on stage, uh, I was in the middle, and he, they, they had me standing in the middle of the top five, and he's standing over on the wings on the corner. Mm-hmm. Well, I when they said uh, let the music play, let him let the, let him go at it or whatever, right? Yeah. I walk over to him. I walk over to him and start let the audience compare us. Yeah. Okay, let the audience. I start posing down with him. He walked away from me. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want that. And the, at that show, they in the show in Europe, the people rushed the stage, munching, munching. Mm-hmm. And in Pasadena, they booed. When they gave me second, they booed. Oh, okay. and I thought I thought you meant they booed you. No, they booed that no. they gave you second. I get it. Yeah. Okay. They hey, what's going on? What's really going on? <laughs> if you ever have a chance to hear the tape, hey, what's really going on? What is going on here? Yeah. Yes. Okay? Because they knew I was the clear winner. Yes. And I mean, that but, but I, I, mean, I assume that impacted things like being able to get into magazines, being able to get, uh, you know, any kind of sponsorships and stuff like that. The money side yeah, of it, yeah. I assume it impacted greatly. Yeah, it... Um, it really put my spirit, but you know, they say, get knocked down, you go back. You get knocked down. Sure. Some people were saying, Big Craig, don't stop. Don't let it get you down. But my partner, the guy, my workout partner, the guy who was holding me down on the book cover. Yeah, Big Willie. Big Willie, he was taking me to um, to the uh, Palm Springs, uh, uh, Palm Springs, the biggest one of them, and um we were riding his brand new Baritz Cadillac, red Cadillac. Oh, beautiful. And um, on the way back, he was like, man, aren't you tired of them uh, mistreating you like this? Because they had gave me second, third, or fourth when I was clearly the, the winner. I was clearly the people's choice, okay? I, I was the, the crowd pleaser, you know? And people standing on their feet cheering and stomping, and, okay? Yeah. After the performance. He said, aren't you tired of... Uh, them hoping you like this, you know, and so and he did that a couple of times, and it finally got to me. All right, mm-hmm. um, that and things that I was going through in my life. So I said, "The heck with it. Um, I'm through with competition." Yeah. All right. I said, I just, you go to these shows and you know you. When uh, uh, I, I did a show, and Sergio Olivia, my idol. Mm-hmm. He was guest posing in the show. Okay. When I saw the bill, when I saw the poster in the gym, the Sergio was going to be guest posing. I said, "Well, I'm gonna compete in that show." Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't. I had no plans to compete, but when I saw that my idol was guest posing, mm-hmm. I wanted to be on stage with my idol. Yeah. Okay. And so I prepared and I got ready, and backstage I had a chance to pump up with Sergio Olivia. Oh. Okay? Nice. Now, I had met him previous before, but this time, okay, he was like, glad to see me, and he was glad to see Willie. Hey, there's Willie. Willie was standing in the wings when yeah. Sergio came on. We was out in the corridor. And uh, Willie was he, Billy was proud. Hey, he remembered me. He was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, back, and I, I had on a, a long robe that drug the ground with a hood, like a grim reaper robe. Oh, wow. It was burgundy, a terry cloth, real thick robe. Okay. And so 
Sergio and I pumped up together. He's pumping up because he's guest posing. Yeah. I'm pumping up because I'm competing. And he said, all right, big man, all right. You know, he's Cuban, so yeah, he, yeah. Spoke, he spoke kind of funny. All right, big man, all right, big man. Uh, uh, let me see what you look like. And now, this is Sergio's words, okay? And I took off the robe, and I'm all sweaty because I've been pumping up. He said, oh, good Lord, you're going to kill the white boys tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he said it just like that. Well, I'll you tell you what, I mean, hearing your idol have that reaction, that had to have been an amazing oh, experience. Man. Oh, you know, yes. Um, yes, it was. it was. It was terrific. And I did, I did win that show. I came home with all the trophies. Nice. And then, and I, and I was bigger than Sergio. Oh. Okay, but Sergio told me he had, now people don't know this, okay? Sergio said I, he had pneumonia mm -hmm. and he had lost 30 pounds. He just came to that show to get his money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think he said $3,000 for his guest posing. Yeah. He just came to get his money. He didn't expect to see nobody like Craig Mustard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was just—it was just a a a work night for him. That's right. There you go. Yeah, there you go. yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, some of the stuff with uh, your competing and kind of your past holding back uh, some of the competitions and things are getting away of it because judges are holding it against you. Um, you know it. It draws a connection to what we spoke of at the top of the show with Leroy Culver and, you know, uh, Frank Zing winning over him. And even though he had like best arms, best legs, best back, he won all the trophies, but somehow didn't win the mysteriously didn't win the uh, top place. You know, I, I can't help but imagine that there were people in the audience there wondering, like, why didn't Leroy win? And there's probably people in the audience, well, not wondering why, but suspecting why he didn't win and uh, suspecting some racial motivations there. And then people wondering with you, like, what, how, how this man, how did Big Craig not win? How did he get second place? So, uh, yeah, I can't imagine how frustrating that must have been. So then what, how do you get back to the gym or did you just never leave? So, I mean, I know you struggled with drug addiction and I've heard you speak on other podcasts about that and getting clean and, you know, nightlife, things like that, that, you know, kind of clouded things for a while. But then afterwards, uh, you know, what brings you back into the gym? Okay. Um, I was out of the gym for like six years, but I would pass Hollywood gym every day, twice a day, going to work, coming back from work. I worked up, up in the valley and um, I had to always pass this gym. Okay. And the gym was calling my name. Okay, it was calling me, calling me. And I'm, I'm looking, uh, it's a three-level place, a building, three-level building. On the ground floor, there's windows wrapping around. You can see all the weights inside. And when I'm coming home in the evening, it's lit up. It's dark, it's lit up. And there's people training. And I said, I'm going to have to stop there one day. Just go and look at, look at me and take a look through. And um, I had been out for the, I had, I had uh, partied. We were saying, a year, two years before this with the drugs, doing cocaine at the Hollywood Life, you know, in the back of the limousine, sniffing cocaine and um, 
I'm running the girls. It was, it was fun. I was out there having the disco thing, you know, walking into the club and everybody knowing my name. Hey, you know, everybody wanted me to be in the car with them, you know, sit at their table, you know. Um, but, um, but then eventually to, that kind of uh, oh, catches up to you. Um, it catches up to you and people started dying. Yeah. Like, People started dying, and then they started really getting drug wiped out. And I'm like, "This ain't for me, no." Yeah. Um, and, and and I went I went up to a place called Acton. Okay. A drug rehab. Um, four thousand four hundred and forty-seven dollars it cost me for uh, um, um four months. Okay. okay. But um, I never looked back. When I came home, I never looked back. No. Um, um, and I joined that gym. I joined that gym in 96, and I've been there ever since. Wow. Okay? That same gym. I, the owner is it's owned by a Russian family. So we're talking 25-plus um, years now. Yeah. yeah yes. Um, uh, and that's that's wonderful. The, yes. And, and uh, the owner, Emily, she's an old lady. Mm-hmm. Her son, it was his baby. Uh, he moved to Las Vegas okay. and let mom take over and she's been running it every since um another story i started um that job that i was working at um when i was passing every day it folded and then i had to i'm in the gym all the time and this bodybuilder he one day he told me because i kept working out with this big sweatshirt on and he says man we were in the locker room he says man you remind me of this old bodybuilder and I'm like, really? Uh-huh. And I said, what's his name? He said, Craig Munson. And I said, uh-huh. laughing. I said, who do you think I am? He said, that's you? I said, yeah. He says, are you working? I said, no, I'm out of work right now. He said, well, I'm the I'm the um, head uh, bouncer at this nightclub called Dublin's on the Sunset Strip. You want a job? I said, well, I don't know. I ain't never bounce. I don't remember about that work. He said, man, it's nothing. All you got to do is sit there, stand there, what? He said, come on, I'll take you over there now. I'll treat you to a steak dinner because it's a restaurant slash nightclub. So I went over there and we pigged out on nearby steaks. Yeah. And I started work with him. He said, let's start working out together. I said, well, I'm just getting back into it, but yeah. And he was one of those guys struggling with three plates on the bench press. He'd do it eight times and he'd jump up and he thought he was really doing something. Yeah. Okay. And I was um, I was uh, just about 48, 49, something like that, I think. Um, maybe, no, I was older. No, 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 no. This is, this is uh, 96, so I was older, 56. Um, I said, okay, I'm, we started working out together. Um, then I, I started getting my strength back. I started getting up. Mm-hmm. And on the weekend, there were 16 security guards in the on the job. He said, Big Craig, I'm going to make a, I'm going to have a memo with a whole security squad got to come watch you bench press. (laughs) He said, they're not going to believe their eyes. I said, well, you tell them to bring their phones, their cameras, so they can video it. So, so they don't have to be telling people because they, people ain't going to believe it. Yeah. He said, okay. So, once Friday, before work, everybody showed up. It was 19 hours, 16, okay, but 19 altogether. Um, 
they all circled around the bench. I'm going to bench press. Okay. Emily come out. She's the owner of the gym. Craig, what's going on? Yeah. Said, they just want to watch me bench press. They're going to leave after. She said, okay, no working out. So now they're just going to watch me do Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we put on three plates on each side, Olympic plates. I said, Pete, and, oh, in this gym, I can't put my hands wide as I like to go. So you have to take the weight out the rack okay. and hand it to me. So we had two guys on each side hand it to me. And I'm talking to them while I do it. I did, I bench pressed it four sets of 50 reps. Oh, man. While I talked to them. Uh, you, you guys got your cameras on and I'm talking to them <laughs> while I'm doing it. I did 200 reps, 50 reps. Wow. Four sets. There's only one guy right now that I still talk to. His name is Leonard Wayne, mm -hmm. and he worked with me. And he said, "I was there. I was there." I yeah. Said. yeah, he witnessed. <laughs> only one. Yes, one guy still. Okay, but they walked out of there not believing that, and I create. I had so much respect after that. Okay, because. These guys, you know, security guys, bouncers, they're always big guys, you know, yeah. uh, big, big poorly guys. And they could bench that maybe three or four times. But to see somebody do it 50 times, they're like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay? Unbelievable, unheard of. But I did it, and they videoed it. Somebody got it on footage. Okay? Yeah, it's out <laughs> there. Yes, yes. Well, it had to be a little, uh, little bit of that you know, Venice Beach feeling too. You, you had the crowd with you, you know, it's. And remember, I was always a ham. Exactly. You got the crowd with you. The eyes are on you. You know, it's, it's, it's go time. They said to me, Craig, why don't you get up on the 600? I said, I always wanted to look easy. I never want the crowd to see me strain. Okay. So 600, I'd have probably had to struggle, but I said, I'm not going to struggle. I want to do it and hold it and be able to talk to you while I'm doing it. I, do, I want it to look easy, like I'm sitting in my living room. Okay? Yes. I love it. I was a big ham about it. Um, but I started at 13 years old. Yeah. Rome wasn't built in a day. I built a heck of a foundation. I built a foundation that will last. And yes, they certainly said to me, maximum poundage build mass that will last. Mm. That's Sergio's words to me. Okay? Yeah. You have to build a good foundation, Big Craig. Build your foundation. Maximum poundage. And he beat that into me. But nobody told me what the maximum poundage would do to you later at 70 years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It'll come back around. Oh, it'll come back and haunt you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so well, yeah, my knees are bad and, and tailbone arthritis in my knees, arthritis in my tailbone. But my elbows never I had never had bursitis in my elbows. Hmm. No. From doing heavy tricep. No, no. Um, um my shoulder I did mess up my shoulder, uh doing behind the neck rotator, you know, that rotator cup, uh, doing heavy behind the neck press. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so now I teach guys, don't sit it on your shoulder. See, back in my day, okay. when you do the press, we always sit the weight on your shoulder and push up, always mm -hmm. down. No, now I tell them, only go to your earlobe. Go uh -huh. to the top of your ear or to the middle of your earlobe. Don't 
go all the way down. Mm. Don't go all the way back. No. Um, there's certain things that you have to be aware of. Yeah, that, that you pick up over the years. Yeah. That's right. And you can pass that on. I, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's uh, th- just hearing your stories. It, it's it's amazing, Mr. Monson. I really I appreciate you coming on here tonight because it's a uh, this is the kind of history I want to uh, really explore and, and hear the kind of behind the scenes at Muscle Beach and, the you know, the kind of experiences that you've had in your competition days. So I can't yes, thank you be. enough. Yes, it beats. The first time I went was 1966. Okay. I was 16. They would not take our money. Okay, Donnie Boy. Yeah. Yes, and Muscle Beach was uh, kind of racist back then. Yeah, they okay. didn't want you on, even if you had the money. We jump over the fence, and they they come put us out. As soon as they went oh, back and we jump back up. We were sixteen years old. Yeah, yeah. We were going to work out in that pit. So finally, they said okay, and they took out eight dollars, whatever it was. Yeah. They took the money, and we had the whole year to train there. It was it was like oh, we couldn't wait for Sunday to roll around to to go up there to work out. You know. And was it, was it just like, the uh, the spectacle of it? All the people around. What did you? What oh, drew you to it? Okay, it was okay. Remember backyard working out. Yeah. Donny Boy, Donny Boy had something called dramatic fever in '64. Okay. And when he got out the hospital, he was in the hospital for about a month. And when he came home, he was so skinny, he looked like he was from Somalia somewhere. Oh, so wow. skinny. And so we couldn't go to the house. I had to stand in the alley to talk to him between the chain link fence while he stayed in his bedroom talking to me through the window. Yeah. And I, I said, "Oh, Donny, you're too skinny." Yeah. Okay. 14 years old. I put weights into a red wagon. You remember the little red wagon? Sure. Was, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Fire chief, I think it was called. I put a, I put some weights in that wagon, and I lived on 83rd in Hooper. He lived on 85th in Hooper. And I pulled the weights in that red wagon through the alleys to Donny Boys and set it up in his backyard up under the fig trees, I mean the avocado trees and fig trees, he had a fig tree and two avocado trees. Hmm. And I set it up back there and built him a little bench. And I said, Donnie, you come back here every day and you do something. Yeah. I started him working out. You start working out. And he started working out. And when I when he was able to come back to school, junior high school, he was a little better, okay? Yeah. He was standing a little bit taller. He's taller than I am. But he was standing straight up because when I saw him in the window, he was getting old from being sick. Mm. Okay, um, so to, to right now today, if I call him, we can laugh and talk about this. Yeah, months you gave me my first workout. Yeah, months. <laughs> you know, yeah, he you knows. Know. <laughs> but I, I, I started a whole bunch of guys working out yeah. from kids. And I get a lot of respect from those that are still alive because a lot of them are gone. Up and down my old neighborhood, you could yeah. go up and down, and they're all gone, you know? Yeah. Yes, yeah, they just did. And so I've been blessed that, that I'm still here, all right? Well, I and think I, it's great that you're telling their stories, you know, especially the ones that are gone and, and telling the stories of, uh, you know, the way things were. So, yeah. 
And it's been a glorious, I love training. For yeah. all those youngsters out there that want to train and want some muscles, you guys build your foundation. Mm-hmm. Build your foundation, work out, enjoy the journey. It's all about having fun. Get big. Look, take records. Take pictures of yourself. Later on, when you look back on those pictures, you'll be like, oh, look where I started. That's, that is your record. Okay? Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, that makes sense. And look, I didn't have any protein powders until mm-hmm. I was 25 years old. Okay? I never had no... We had something called wheat germ. We'd sprinkle over our oatmeal and our cereal. Yeah. Okay? That was our protein. My first protein powder in 1975, I was 25 years old, and it was called MLO. It was full of sugar byproducts. Uh, that stuff had my shoulders and back all broke out. Yeah. <laughs> I threw it right in the trash can. Okay, so but um, and then when it was contest time, I wanted to cut up. So they told me about and you bought it. I bought it at Ralph's supermarket. It was in the dairy section in the in the in the uh, a cooler. Okay, drank a couple of tablespoons of that after meal, and it would cut you up. They eventually had to take it out the market because it was eating the lining out of people's stomach. Oh no. Okay? Yeah, so, but it, that stuff was getting my stomach ripped up. Yes. Yeah. So, but no, I, I really never was a protein person. Yeah. Okay. My protein was that bread meat. Yeah. I'd eat that bread meat three times a week. Contest time, I'd eat a whole chicken, a half a chicken in, in the morning, half the other half in the evening. I'd eat the whole chicken, but with no skin. Yeah. Okay. I would always eat fish. Um, there's a place called Shabazz, a Muslim fish house. Okay. I would always get fish all the time. Okay. Fish and salad. Um, and all, I would take a tubberware, a, a, a big tubberware dish and cut up all kind of fruit, every kind of fruit you could think of and put it in this tubberware dish. And I would eat off of that after each meal. I yeah. just eat pears, strawberries, what? I would eat off of that and my salad. It kept me regulated, okay? Yeah. And my veins rolling. My veins would just be, oh, I look like oak trees with all these veins. But uh, like I said, I was eating red meat three times a week. Yes, that was my protein. And I was eating a ton of eggs. I, my first McDonald's, I was 25, 26 years old. Okay, I didn't go to Disneyland till I was twenty five, yeah. <laughs> and I lived right there, you know. No, uh-uh. um, but I was all about working out. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I had a sixty nine Coupe de Ville Cadillac, mm-hmm. and I bought two non adjustable fifty five pound dumbbells. I had them in a milk crate in the back of my Cadillac, and. I'd go to a club, and before I go in the club, I'm in the parking lot doing some curls with my dumbbells. <laughs> Just to get a pump. Yeah. Just to get a pump. Yes. Yeah. I had to get a pump wherever I went. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine what I think if I was. <laughs> oh, God. On Sunday morning, I'd go up to Griffith Park, and I'd have somebody steer the car, and uh, I'd push that Cadillac around the parking lot. Okay? <laughs> People would stop. Hey, you need a hand? I said, I'm exercising. <laughs> yeah. Yes, hey. I did all kind of crazy stuff just to stay in shape. Consistency, okay? like you said. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, it it, it makes you appreciate uh what you have, it, the consistency of training, and it keeps you just feeling good. 
And yeah, I, I, I believe it. I hear you. And I, I mean, I, I was at a uh, baseball tournament. My oldest son plays baseball and I was at his baseball game. And a couple days prior, Josh Bryant was on my podcast here. And after we, I stopped recording, we were chatting. He said, you, you should really ask Craig to come on the show. I said, do you think you would? And he said, well, yeah, just give me your phone number. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to him. So I, I saw oh, that that'd be amazing. So then a couple days go by and I wasn't expecting much. And my phone rings at the baseball game and I didn't know the number. I pick it up and it was you. And I couldn't believe it. And my, my wife was like, who's on the phone. She thought I hit the lottery or something. And I, and I did cause I, I was so happy to be talking to you. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I'm on the phone with Craig Monson. And I got off the phone. She said, who, who, who in the world are you talking to? And she had seen me reading your book. So as soon as I said your name, she's like, oh my gosh, that, that bodybuilder. I'm like, yeah, he's going to come on the show. So, I mean, I, I've, Josh, I've been excited. Didn't Josh do a great job on that little book? He did. And I mean, like I said about, uh, I don't know, a ways ago in the show, it's um, the thing I really like about it is, and I wrote an article that I put up on my website about Josh Bryan's books and this being one of my favorites. And the thing I really like about it that I wrote in that article was the, the back and forth between it's telling your life story, but then it has a bit of the training in there. So, you know, you're learning kind of some interesting strength history, but then you're also picking up some training tips and programs and different things. I mean, I just randomly flipped here to a page and it's talking about different sets and reps and, you know, this exercise, or you did this with walking lunges or hack squats. And yeah, it's so the back and forth of it, the style that you wrote it in, I, I find very unique. And I mean, it, it's two things I enjoy training and history. So it was a home run for me. Very good. Very good. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. So I'll, it's in print and it's available and I'll drop the link down in the description of the podcast and listeners, like I said, uh, what you heard here tonight was just a small part of what's in this book and you'll really enjoy reading it and you'll get a lot out of the training too. And I'll drop some of the pictures in this episode, but there's a lot more pictures in here too, that are also excellent. Some of the people you spoke of on this episode, you'll see uh, Donnie boys right here, actually. So you okay. talked a lot about Donnie boy and he's right here on the page. I happen to flip open to. So yeah, head out there. The title of it is Craig Munson, OG bodybuilding legend. It's been out for a couple of years now, but it's still in print and you can pick up a copy. The other thing you can do listeners is, uh, Craig, you still have t-shirts for sale and things like that on your website, correct? You get them on the website, on the okay. website. Get them off the website, yes. And um, I'll, I'll drop a link for that in the description as well. Is I it craigmonson.com? What's the website? Um, oh, gosh. And if you don't know offhand, don't worry, sir. It's all right. I can drop it in no, here. Just Google Craig Munson and they'll see it. It'll and pop it'll up. pop up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you yeah. can't miss the shirts because there's some of your famous poses, some of your famous shots right there on the shirts. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, yeah. You can't miss and, it. And to, and to the, your viewers, after they, they reach out, they could text me on my website 
uh, on Facebook, if they want to talk to me one-on-one, I'm available to talk to. I love talking to fans, okay? That's incredible. Yes, yes. If I could be any help for the young guys starting out or even the old-timers who want to chat about the old days, yeah. I'm available. Okay? Just hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. I always try to answer. Okay? That's incredible. Well, I mean... It's been a thrill to talk to you, Mr. Munson. And I, I mean, I've, I, I really, I can't thank you enough. So thank well, you so thank much you. for coming I on. It. I enjoyed wrapping with you. Yes. I enjoyed reliving my past. Oh, yeah. Talking about it because it is my past. Yeah. Okay. It is history. I think um, you're an important part of strength history. Yeah. Once I'm gone, I'm gone. So yeah. I have to keep it alive as long as I can. All right. Uh, it's been a it's been a heck of a journey, okay. I remember when I was a kid, and my mom asked me. I told her I wanted to be the biggest bodybuilder in the world, okay, yeah. and that was because I was going to junior high school, and the boys periodically, the the uh, vice principal, they would go through all the lockers, and when they came to my locker, they found a stack full of bodybuilding books at yeah. the bottom of my locker. And on the on the door of the locker, I had Viking gladiator soldiers drawings that I drew. Sure. Pasted to my my locker, you know. And so they called my parents in to say this was unusual behavior. Yeah. Something is wrong with him. My mom said, well, he's always talking about he want to be a big man. He want to be a, the biggest bodybuilder. Well, in 1963, four and five, that was looked down upon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was a different time and era, yeah. Time. You didn't see people jogging like you do now. Yeah. They were not doing on every other street corner. So my mom, when I got home, my mom said, the heck with those people. You keep working out. You keep doing what you want to do. Okay, she did not listen to them. Okay, no, they wanted me to stop. They said every time we look around, he's in the gym. Okay, <laughs> in the in the gym, playing with those weights because I would sneak in every day. Every time I had a chance, yeah. Well, they know where to find you. <laughs> they know where to find. That's right. That's yeah. right. No, all my life until today, I'm still in the gym. Yes, I'm a gym uh, rat. <laughs> that's that's the goal. That's that's one of my goals. I want to be able to pick up my grandchildren with ease. That's one of my goals. That's right. So and, you know, I, I I really appreciate the advice, and you know, I find your life an inspiration. And this book's in my library for good. That's for sure. But I'll, I'll definitely gift copies of it. I'm not giving away my copy, but I'll, I'll send out some, some gift copies of it. Uh, this upcoming, you know, holiday season, things like that. I appreciate that. And, and all praises go out to Josh Bryan. Okay. Absolutely. He's a wonderful cat. He's a good cat. Yes. I appreciate Josh. Yes, yeah, I do. I've, I've enjoyed speaking with him and he sings your praises and yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, sir. Thank you very much, listeners, for listening to Home Gym History. My name is Rob, and you can find me at VintageWeightsPGH.com. 
You can find all my videos, my content there. And of course, please subscribe to Garage Gym Radio on YouTube where you can find Home Gym History, as well as the other podcasts on the Garage Gym Radio Network. Home Gym Con 2024 is coming up. This April, the second gathering of home gym owners, that'll be in French Lick, Indiana, the last weekend in April. You can buy your tickets now at homegymcon.com. I hope to see you there. I'll be doing some live podcasts, and I'm already looking forward to it. Until I see you there, please make sure you check out all my future episodes of Home Gym History and go down to the description so you can pick yourself up a copy of Josh Bryant's book about Craig Monson.